Across the UK, Overnights with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Yep, it's off to uh, Campeche in Mexico now, and uh, it's a very uh, good morning to um, the one and only Mr. John Bonfilio, and I say joins us now. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. No problem. Good evening and, and Merry Christmas to Captain Kellner and, and all the, the Kellner team. Well, bless you. I, 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 I think of them more as sidekicks than the Kellner team, but fair enough. Um, and, uh, and bless you for the greetings. You're actually on location. I can hear you're on location. You're, let me try the pronunciation here. You're at the Mercado Verde de Campeche. Um, tell me all about that. I am. I'm on location, but I'm on location in a stuffy vehicle, which serves as something of a sound studio, but means I'm sweating buckets in order to oh, achieve a good signal. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, no, here I am at, the, at um, Campeche's uh, Green Market, which is interesting. It's been going for eight years, uh, five years, plastic-free. It's a series of, of producers who try and do their best, not just, obviously, to, to make stuff and to sell stuff, but also to have sort of socio-environmental responsibility. So, um, yeah, it's all local produce, all made by the individuals uh, here. And, yeah, just a really beautiful space in the run-up to Christmas, to be in and around speaking to people who are, uh, you know, trying to do their very best not just to get ahead, but also to get ahead without damaging, you know, their, their social and environmental um, uh, context. Yeah, so what sort of stuff are they flogging there? Is it, you know, because we get the, the sort of Christmas markets here, and it's sort of overpriced jam and... Uh, <laughs> And free range eggs and, and, and things, and they're, they're usually serving um, some sort of um, Teutonic uh, liquor of uh, of some sort, and uh, you know flapjacks uh, and that sort of thing. I mean, what are they what are they selling at this uh, Campeche Green Market? Yeah, and, and not that I want to defend overpriced jam, but having made some of my own jam recently, it is surprisingly expensive to make. Um, but we'll leave that to. <laughs> To one side. Uh, so you've got things, you've got groups like uh, like artists, collectives here who make their own paper and then uh, obviously draw and uh, paint on it as well. You've got organic uh, produce. You've got an, um, actually a surprisingly good uh, brand of vegan ice cream that's made by um, a lovely gentleman who's been making it for the last 15 years. It's all kind of what you would term sort of mom and pop, or what in the US would be termed sort of mom and pop sort of stores or or startups, there's various kind of zero waste uh, options, uh, artisanry, uh, I guess kind of handicrafts, those kinds of things. But with it being Campeche and what we, um, you know, and not uh, not the UK, it's definitely all quite affordable. And what's really nice about it actually is is that there is some tourism in Campeche, but broadly speaking, uh, the Campechean economy exists in and of itself and for itself. So actually, the people that, that come and shop at the the green market here are actually all locals that really have come to value it over the years and come and bring their family and their grandmothers and their dogs and so on spend a little bit of time and uh, just a little bit of christmas shopping on the way sounds brilliant sounds absolutely brilliant um moving on to uh, brazil now this is an interesting i mean 
this fascinated me the fact that there's a special sort of wood that's um only available in brazil i think or you know mostly available in brazil and uh it's for making violin bows so the bows that they scrape across the uh, violin can only be made from this wood and this is causing um a wee bit of a problem in brazil tell me about that yeah, I mean, you, uh, the bows can be made from other woods, but there is, uh, especially for the finest bows in the world, there is a particular resistance, density, and elasticity, apparently, to this, uh, to the Pau Brasilia echinata wood, which, as you say, only exists in the northeast of Brazil, and is, in fact, where the, the, the name for Brazil comes from. It comes from this, this particular tree. And, and the issue is, is that now, as per usual, stories of our times, that this tree is endangered, uh, and so actually, if you if you transport one of these bows with you internationally, you need a special permission. So, interestingly, in a surprising uh, turn of fate and policy action, uh, our friend Joel Bolsonaro tried to outlaw the transport of this, um, or, or the making, and then the transport of this uh, of this bow, and and referred it to um, uh, to, to the recent CITES. Uh, uh, organizational gathering in order to have something uh, done about it. But yeah, there, there are some of the, the finest violinists in the world who are up in arms about this, saying that actually they're the ones that are involved in extensive planting schemes around this wood, and you would basically be damaging the uh, the international violin music industry by by outlawing this particular bit of wood, which is used for. But as you said at the, at the top of the story, who would have thought? I certainly didn't know about the story. Uh, 10 days ago and it's a yeah a hell of a surprise yeah it certainly is um now there's a, a, an issue on the border between uh, mexico and the united states which um it sort of um it, it revolves around what are called uh, federal lands isn't it in or you know federal territory which again was a concept that was fairly new to me tell me what exactly is happening on the the border between uh, the united states and mexico uh, and, and what the and especially in arizona and what the issue is yeah so yeah, interesting what you say about federal territory because in the uk that this would be an alien term because there is no federal territory there is national territory but what you have in the u.s and actually existing in exactly the same way in mexico is you have a federation of states uh, so basically each different state in the u.s and in mexico is something like its own nation it has its own laws its own policy its own government uh, and so on but you have certain areas like say coastline or uh, airports or major pipelines but also border areas which are federal territory which do not belong to states they belong to the central government so uh, why this is relevant is because there is a changing of the guard in the arizona governorship uh, happening in the next two weeks and of course arizona borders mexico and the outgoing republican uh, governor doug ducey decided that the building of the border wall or uh, wasn't going as well as he had hoped. So in what is his last act, he decided to build his own border wall uh, on federal land by dumping shipping containers all along uh, the border. Uh, what he's basically trying to do, because it's a fairly imperfect process, I mean, you can't really stick the shipping containers end to end with mm. any degree of perfection. But what's interesting about this is that he's basically set a massive problem in the intray of the incoming Democratic uh, governor Casey Hobbs, uh, because she's she's the one that's going to be landed with this as the in incoming governor of Arizona, and she's going to have to do something about it, which presumably is going to be to deconstruct the wall. 
So the problem that he set up for her is to basically disarm and deconstruct the walls that he's constructed. And that's what he wants to generate in terms of news and political cycles for the Democrats. Yeah. It's an interesting story, that one. Um, we'll move to um, Argentina now, of course, in the World Cup final uh, tomorrow, Sunday, or tomorrow as far as we're concerned. Uh, and I was mentioning uh, earlier on, uh, John, that uh, Messi has never had the respect in Argentina that, um, that Maradona has. Uh, and I'm just wondering if that's now changing now that um, largely through his efforts, uh, Argentina are in the World Cup final. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And what's interesting is that the fates of uh, Maradona and Messi in some ways are being interlinked with this particular uh, World Cup. What Argentina loved about Maradona more than anything was how he wore his heart on his sleeve, was how he was emotional, imperfect, was occasionally brilliant, other times not so much, which kind of, I think, in some way reflects the national character. But Messi has always been much more of a subdued individual um, and brilliant, of course, but when, uh, as far as it came, as far as uh, the uh, the national team uh, mm. runs, he's never really covered himself uh, with glory. But but certainly, especially in the last few matches in this World Cup, almost uh, you know, maybe Zidane '98, maybe Ronaldo '2002. But has any individual really carried a World Cup in quite the same way as Messi in this one? And certainly, like a fairy tale ending that everybody is thinking may take place, obviously would require an Argentina win. Uh, on Sunday, but if that takes place, then, then for sure Messi will cement himself in, you know, in the history books internationally, but also Argentina as well. And the thing about Maradona, which a lot of people actually have been saying, a lot of individuals have been saying in in Argentina, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the semi-final win, is that this this uh, the current position of the Argentinian team in the final is as much a celebration of Messi at the end of his career as it is a farewell to Maradona, because Maradona died, of course, two years ago, and Argentina is still in deep pain and mourning uh, as to what took place, because, you know, of course, he wasn't anywhere near his best, but he still died young. He still died uh, in, in his early 60s, and what, his death was a massive shock. So uh, mm. Maradona, as ever, and as always with Argentina, has cropped into the narrative, even at this point of this World Cup. Yeah, uh, and I also uh, believe the Argentinians have been uh, singing sort of celebratory of the Argentinian team. This is uh, singing celebratory songs, um, some of which uh, are not that complimentary to uh, <laughs> to the UK and uh, do raise the issue of the, of the Malvinas, which, of course, they're always going to do. Do you know, what, what, what a surprise. Um, I mean, if this thing crops up, you know, all the time. And actually, I mean, if you forget the subject matter, and of course that it's a, you know, it's a sore subject both for Argentina and, and the UK as well. Actually, they are really, the, the, the songs that the Argentine fans sing, uh, sing are incredibly literate. And in a way, I guess in the same way as the football coming home, the verses don't recount the successes, they recount the losses. And it's by that just kind of developing of the self-inflicted pain around the history that then the refrain of this particular hit song that they sing, the muchachos ahora nos volvemos a ilusionar, uh, lads, guys, girls, now we're beginning to dream again, uh, is, is a kind of a, I guess, a chorus and the, and the uplift within the song. The other phrase which has really made the rounds, I don't know whether it's reached the, the news uh, cycles in the UK, is when Messi, after the quarterfinal, he was doing an interview, and one of the, uh, one of the Dutch players walked by him and Messi looked at him and in Spanish said, uh, uh, what are you looking at? Idiot, walk on. 
uh, and that now is being emblazoned in uh, on jeans and t-shirts and flags <laughs> right right across Argentina. It's become the de facto, uh, I guess, kind of maxim for Argentine supporters. What are you looking at, idiot? Walk on. <laughs> Which is Brilliant. very unlike Messi as well. That's not you know that's not standard Messi behaviour. No, no. Well, I saw the the documentary about. Messi, and he's an extremely polite uh, chap who, you know, always signs autographs, always got time for, for fans and everything. And, uh, you know, certainly when he, when he first arrived at uh, Barcelona, was, uh, was shy, you know, very, very shy, and uh, wouldn't say boo to a goose. But these days, apparently, he will say boo to a goose or <laughs> to well, a I, Dutchman. I guess, I guess one of the reasons why the Argentines now have really taken to him in this World Cup is because, in some ways, it could be argued that, Ar- that Messi has, over the course of the last three matches or so, discovered his Argentinianness, and that's what's really made him suddenly loved by uh, a public which was distinctly suspicious of him up until now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, as always, thanks ever so much, and we'll we'll talk again next week if that's okay. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, and to you too. Uh, there we go. That's uh, John Bonfilio joining us from uh, Campeche in Mexico. Thanks for all.